0: Thank you for joining us today for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud begins a brand new series entitled The Book of James. This is Session 1.
1: All right, we are going to start our study of the Book of James. There's only five chapters in the Book of James, and only the Lord knows how long it'll take us to make it through those chapters. But we will go and um, at our own little steady pace, and we'll get it done. I'm all excited. I enjoy the book of James. Uh, We're going to do this morning kind of an overview. So actually, we're only really going to cover uh, chapter one, verse one. So I'll read it to you. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad, greeting. Okay, you can close your Bibles and you can get out your notebooks and your pencils because that's all we're covering from the scripture part this morning. Okay, I like to have a little background of things when, when I'm learning, just so you know, a little information on what we're going to be talking about and who we're going to be talking about. So, we're going to do that this morning uh, with the book of James. Now, chronologically, it would have been, uh, well, we call it the book, but it's really a letter, an epistle. Um, it, was one, it would be considered a Catholic um, epistle. The word Catholic meaning universal, not, uh, no, uh, so not like the Catholic Church, but just general epistle, and that it wasn't written to any particular church. Remember Romans, when we read Romans, it was written to the Christians in Rome. Galatian was written to the churches that were in the province of Galatia. The book of James, or the epistle of James, was was written to Christians. We'll see a particular group you know, of Christians, but not to any particular church, okay? So for that reason, it's called one of the general epistles, and there are a few other ones that were not written to a particular congregation. Now, chronologically, it would have been the first letter written in the New Testament, but when we see the way the New Testament is set up, um, it is actually not set up in chronological order. There's a different kind of Order of things the way that they, the way it's situated in the Bible, because it's not the first of the New Testament, is it? What's the first book in the New Testament? Matthew, Matthew right? James actually comes on in there toward the back, but chronologically, as far as when uh, it would have been written, more than likely it was first. We're going to do a little timeline. Somewhere between the years of 30 and 32. Um, A.D. meaning you know in the year of our Lord here, somewhere during that point, Jesus was crucified. Okay, and then somewhere between. See, when you go back this far, sometimes dates are not exact, but somewhere between the year forty-five and forty-nine was when the Epistle of James was written. You see, just a few years later, uh, going on. Somewhere around the year 50 A.D. was the Jerusalem Council. Who remembers that? We talked about the Jerusalem Council. That is very good. The Jerusalem Council isn't, y'all are on it this morning. (laughs) Acts chapter 15, and although we haven't studied the book of Acts, we talked about the Jerusalem Council uh, in our study of, Galatians, because there's also a Galatians reference to it. Um, the Jer- and Brother Kelly, I said I wasn't gonna talk about it, but they, I, t- I knew once you put it in my head, the Jerusalem council was when Paul had to go to meet with the leaders of the church in Jerusalem to discuss whether or not the new uh, Gentile converts had to be circumcised. <laughs> because you remember there was a whole uh, battle over whether they had to then come under the law after before their salvation was complete, so that meeting uh, was at the Jerusalem Council, and then about 70 A.D. the Jerusalem Temple. And when you're reading in the Old Testament, you'll know how important the temple was. Was about that time the temple was destroyed. Okay, so we got a little little history lesson <clears throat> of what's going on. So during the time that this was written. Um, the Jerusalem temple was still very much in operation. Uh, Sacrifices and all the rituals still going on. Still very important in the life of the Jews. Now, um, this was also a very crucial time for the church because most of the early uh, converts to the way or to Christianity were who? They were the Jews. And so you had um, this you know, we have been, um, we've, born, we've been born, we've raised um, a particular way with all of these, you know, we're adhering to the law of Moses. Uh, and there was a very strict way of living. And there was a very uh, definite separation between Jew and Gentile. And so now you have uh, the early church being composed mostly of Jews who have um, accepted Jesus as the Messiah, and but they still have, just like we had when you know we had, there was a way we did things, we had our own set of beliefs, our uh, own set of practices, and once you become born again, that part of you still exists, doesn't it? You still do some things the same way, um, you still have, you know, like if you were raised in church, so to speak, then you'll have still some customs uh, that are a part of that, And even in our church now, you have some people in here that were um, raised Baptist, some people raised Methodist, uh, some people may have been raised Catholic, and then you have some people that were not in the church at all. But once we give our lives to to Christ and we become born again and become a part of the body of Christ, sometimes those differences in our history will make it difficult for us to be able to um, operate together because we just have seen things from a different point of view for so long. And so same thing with the early church, only even more so because they now are having to accept as their brothers uh, in Christ and fellowship with people that they would not have even, you wouldn't have eaten a meal with, you wouldn't have fellowships with. And so now we're having to learn that, you know, God loves them and he accepts them as much as he accepts us. We are one. And so that's a very tenuous time uh, for the church, because all of that is going on. That was a huge adjustment, more so than any of us could even imagine, uh, because now, I mean, you've gone your whole life, this group of people, they are um, not God's people, they are unclean, and then you're going to have to sit down and have something as intimate with them as a meal, uh, because we do, when, when we eat, we let our guard down, don't we? we you, rest when you really get to know each other when you can share a meal uh, with them and spend time with them. Okay, Um, the book of James is an intensely um, practical letter, often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. Sometimes there's like a lot of little sayings, kind of like Proverbs doesn't really flow like a story, but there's a lot of you do do this, you don't do that, or be watchful of this. So it's kind of known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. There are 45 references to the Old Testament throughout And we'll learn Juan a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about James in just a minute. Right now, we're just talking about um, the letter that he wrote. It was addressed uh, to Christian Jews, primarily because that's all who were Christian at the time. Christian Jews, and as they went out, and as the word went out, and then as Paul went out, because you remember Paul's ministry primarily was to the Gentiles, which was everybody else that wasn't a Jew, Uh, But at the very beginning, because Jesus was from a Jewish household, so at the very beginning, uh, those that were converted were Jews. And so the early church's letter was mainly to them. Now, these were to the Jews that had been scattered about, because this is after the first wave of persecution. And you can see that in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that passage talks about the stoning of Stephen. And it says Saul was consenting consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which which was at Jerusalem, which was kind of like the headquarters of Judaism, so to speak. And they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles, uh, because they were rounding up. You remember before Saul was converted to Paul, one of the things that he did was he was out rounding up uh, these Christian Jews and they were putting them to death. Because they were considered to be heretics and they were going against, uh, what they, going against the law saying that this man, who, what everybody considered to be a man, was in fact more than man. He was God and he was the Messiah. And so, uh, the Christians were not very favorably looked on. You can understand why, right? You've got a set of beliefs that have been in operation. Same thing, like if something similar would happen happened to us now. We have different little cult groups that rise up uh, even now. And if people were to start in mass, you know, following and believing somebody, there would be some persecution, you know, if somebody new rose up and says that I am God. And so this is how they saw that. Now with us looking back, sometimes we can get judgmental and think how would they there, but they thought they were doing what was right, that they were protecting the Word of God, that they were protecting god 's people from being deceived by what they considered to be a charlatan, and so Christian Jews were being persecuted, uh, they were being put to death, and so they were fleeing uh, from Jerusalem, going to different areas looking for safety now, because of that, a lot of the early Christians were poor because they found themselves in the in the uncomfortable situation of uh, no longer being accepted by the Jews because they were Christians and not being accepted by the Gentiles because they were Jews. And so you see how when it'll talk about, you know... Um, don't forget, you know, to remember the poor, to take up collections, and at one point we see Paul coming uh, with an offering from some of the other churches to help some of those Jews that found themselves in that situation. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you were not accepted by either group? Um, Not so much now, as far as I'm aware, but, you know, in our history, Um, mulatto children would find themselves in that situation, you know, where they had one white parent and one black parent. Uh, They wouldn't be accepted by blacks because they looked maybe didn't look black or had, you know, some white features, and they wouldn't be accepted by whites because they were, you know, part black, and so they, you know, kind of existed almost to themselves, just sort of caught in the middle, uh, not being able to really um, identify with either group. Uh, now, there may be some of that that still goes on, but now there's so many more of people that are of mixed heritage that, you know, it's kind of like a moot point. I mean, you almost if you see somebody who says that they all are just one uh, race and not a mixture of both, that's, that's now more the exception uh, than, than the rule. And so they found themselves in that awkward situation of being caught between two cultures, so to speak, and not really accepted by either. Um, this letter, we will read a lot about works. James talks a lot about um, putting your faith in action. And some people misconstrue that as being contradictory to what Paul taught was that salvation is by faith and not by works. But you have to remember the goal or the focus of the books are different. Paul was talking about what must I do to be saved? James is saying, okay, now you are saved. Now it's time to get up off your behind and do something. So there's a difference. He's not talking about works, doing the works of the law so that we can earn our salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Uh, We do, when we believe, we receive it through grace. But once we have become born again, uh, James is telling us how we should live. Uh, And there's something that we should always remember, because I know we will say, sometimes when we just want to live a shabby life, we'll say, well, God knows my heart. And that's true. God does know our heart, but our neighbors just know what we do. And so we have to be mindful that we are to be witnesses to those around us. And that has very, not as much to do with what we say as with how we are, how we act and how we live. And the book of James uh, helps us with that. There are 54 direct commands uh, in the book of James as to how we should act. Many of them uh, can find parallels in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew. The overall theme of the letter from James is spiritual maturity. Now you've been born again. Now it's time to grow up. You don't get to stay a baby as cute as little Haley is back there. If ten years from now Brother Kelly's still holding her in his lap and she's playing with the little fuzzy toy and googling in, in in church, we're gonna all think something is terribly, terribly wrong, right? But sometimes as Christians, we will do that. We will we will give our lives to the Lord and we will, you know, be saved, and that's it. We don't grow. We are the same way. Um, five years down the road or 10 years down the road as we were the day we first came into the knowledge of Christ and that should not be so. Um, it is possible, one quote that I read, it is possible to grow old without growing up. And we don't want to do that. Have you ever seen anybody that was old? Old in age and old in stature but still young in mind? Not, not by reason of a mental deficiency but because they simply just did not grow up and here you are, you know, there's nothing worse than a grown man whose mama still has to take care of him because he just won't go out and do right. That's not an attractive quality, man, (laughs) at all. And so James is telling us there comes a point in time where we should be able to withstand more than we could at the beginning. And so we're going to learn about that. And because he's Telling us we should grow up, he's going to be a little harsh at times. And so we have to, you know, just take it like a grown up. If your toes are stepped on, and we'll just move on, right? We just learn these things and we move on. Now, let's talk a little bit about who James was. Now, there is a, a, a James conflict or a James problem because James was kind of like a common name. And so, when we talk about James, we have to wonder what James are we talking about because there was more than one. There was James. Um, where is it? okay. There was James, uh, who was the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. Remember when when Jesus went out and they were fishermen. Uh, they, he also had a little sort of affectionate nickname for them. What were they called? The sons of thunder. They were a little impulsive. Um, at one point, somebody wasn't receiving Jesus, and they were like, "You want us to go get him, Lord?" You want us to, we'll take them down. Good armor bearers, right? And then there was James, uh, the son of Alphaeus, who's also called James the Less. And there was James, the father of Judas, uh, the disciple, not the of Judas Iscariot, but a different Judas. And then there was James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who are shocked to find out that Mary and Joseph had other children, they did. They had a slew of them. Jesus had four brothers, um, and we know he also has sisters. You can read that in Mark 6. His brothers were James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon. And then it also says, and are not his sisters here with us. So we don't know how many sisters. there. They aren't named, but because it's sisters, we know there were at least two. So they were at least, counting Jesus, seven kids in that household. Big family by today's standards, right? And so we have to figure out which James are we talking about when we say the author of the book of James. Now, I grew up with sort of a similar confusion in my household. My father's name was James. And because my mother decided to honor my father with naming my brother James Jr., so I had my father James and my brother James. James. Now, my brother was, you know, as he got on up in age, high school, teenage, whatever, he was a football player, so a big guy. So people would call. This was back in the time before cell phones. When people wanted you, they either called, either called your home or stopped by. So people would call, and they would say, well, I would like to speak with James. And so we'd have to go through the litany. Well, which one do you want? And inevitably, instead of saying, you know, junior or senior, they would say, Big uh, Big James. Like, you mean big as in like, big, (laughs) or do you mean big as in older? And so then, at one little quirky point in history, they would say, well, the one that works at Sony, well, as it would be, they both worked there for a little bit of time, and so that didn't help either. And so we have to go through all that when somebody would call. Well, then as time went on, because we are just those kinds of people, we had a cousin to move in for a little while, and what was the cousin's name? James. Of course, because we have no individuality in our lives. And so then somebody would call, and they would say, I need to speak with James, so then we'd have to say, James Ware or James Billingsley. And if they said Billingsley, then problem solved. But if they said Ware, then we'd have to go through the whole, which one do you want? And so some days we would just be like, here, to whoever was nearby, you work it out, (laughs) okay? So here we have a similar situation when we say that obviously the letter of James could have either been written by James or to James, and since it says it was written to the Christian Jews that were spread throughout, then we know that it was written by James. But which one? Was it written by James of James and John? No, because he was martyred fairly early on. He was killed by Herod. Uh, Was it written by James the Less? More than likely not, since he's called James the Less. (laughs) Um, uh, Was it written by uh, James, um, the father of Judas? No, it was written by James, the half-brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, now we say half-brother because what? What? Joseph was not, in fact, Jesus' father. We all are aware of that, right? Okay, good. So we're on the same page. Now, so that was who the author of the book of James is. He was a Jew, of course, reared in the tradition of the law of Moses. Um, He was not a follower of Jesus during his earthly ministry. None of his brothers were. Uh, You can read about that in John 7, verses 1 through 5, where... Now, to me, when I read I'm thinking, oh, they were a little snippy. But can you imagine having grown up in the household with Jesus? Now, most of us with siblings, you know, you may have a point in time where you think, you think you're better than me, don't you? Well, he could have said yes. (laughs) He's the only one that could get away with that. And so when we look, and, and when it talks about how he grew in stature and how he grew in the word and how he could expound on the word uh, better than anybody, and then that whole situation when he was, what, was about 12 when they had gone, uh, and then they were leaving in a day's journey down the road, they realize he's not with the family, and then you have to double back. Well, I'm just going to say, as a sibling, after a while, you'd be like, that's just old. You just need to keep up. I mean, I don't know who you think you are. Okay, well, we know who you think you are. <laughs> so that's got, had to have been challenging. Um, and in John chapter seven, uh, it says, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples may also see the works that you are doing, for no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that sounds a little snippy to me, doesn't it? You want everybody to know who you are Why are you hiding. <laughs> why don't you get on out there and show them what you can do? And so he tells him, well, you know, and even his response, your time is any time. You can do whatever you want to, whenever you want to. I have to wait and do what my father tells me when. You know, so, you know, there had to be a little, you know, can you just imagine that sibling rivalry? But anyway, so they were not his followers, um, While during his earthly ministry, and there's also that passage of scripture where they come to him, he's teaching, and they tell him, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want you to come out. And he looks up from what he, you know, his teaching goes, who are my mother and my brothers? Those that do the will of my father. And he continues teaching. Now, how would y'all take that? I'd be like, what? Man, you better come on outside. (laughs) Well, she's supposed to snatch him up at that point. And so they weren't followers then, but you can tell based on the uh, correlations between what James writes and the Sermon on the Mount that that doesn't mean they weren't listening, that they weren't around, that they didn't hear what was going on. Uh, but it wasn't, in fact, until after the uh, crucifixion that James and his brothers uh, became followers that they really were like, oh, what he was saying was true, he is. Um, you know, in fact, to the Messiah. They were present in the upper room, James is present in the upper room uh, in Acts chapter one. It also says uh, that Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection. Um, And so that could have been possibly some type of impartation then. uh, And that's referenced in 1 Corinthians 15. James became a pillar of the church. Uh, During the time of the Jerusalem council, uh, when they came, when Paul came and was giving the report and, and asking, you know, what do we need to do for clarity? All of the other groups spoke, but you'll notice if you read that portion that it was James who had the final say-so, who kind of said, okay, you know, everybody's had an opportunity to speak. Let me, listen to me. Let me tell you how this is going to play out, what this is going to do. Um, all of the, there were like seven different sects of S-E-C-T-S groups, divisions, of Judaism at the time, kind of like we have all these different divisions of Christianity, all of them reverenced and honored James. So he was a very wise man. Um, he was an authority figure. He had the ear of those around him. And so he became a pillar of the early church. Early church. And there were kind of two sections uh, of the church at the time. There were those in the north and their headquarters was, um, headquarters was in Antioch. And that was probably a lot of the um, Greek Gentile believers, and those who were mainly operating in that area were Paul, Silas, and Barnabas. So we read about the things that they do there. And then in the south, the church was headquartered in Jerusalem. And then we have James, who never left Jerusalem. He didn't go on travels like the others. He was not one of the apostles either, but he was a pillar of the church. So we have James, Peter uh, there, and for a lesser extent, John, who were sort of, I guess you could say, the, the pillars or the leaders here. Okay. Okay. Um, He was known for his intense prayer. He was uh, one of the the only person who could go into the temple to pray by himself. He was known so much for his prayer that he had um, a rather odd nickname called Old Camel Knees. Now, those of you seen Camel, you know, little naughty naughty knees because he would be on his knees in prayer so much that apparently his knees looked like that. He was as forthright as an Old Testament prophet. So those of you that read, they would sort of just tell you this is how things are gonna be, and they didn't beat around the bush. So he didn't pull any punches. He just said what needed to be said. Now you know we have different personality profiles here. So it sounds like he was probably like one of those high D kind of people that just speak their mind, and everybody else is like, okay. Um, he was known by early other early. Uh, Not so much uh, Christian writers, but other early writers in the time. Uh, He was referred to as James the Just. And he was martyred or killed around 62 AD. He had become so influential um, that other Jewish leaders were starting to convert to Christianity. And so some of them gathered, got got him one day and they had this idea uh, that they were going to make him renounce Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so they took him up to the what's called the battlement or the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. And they had, there was a crowd of people and they had him address the crowd and they asked him who Jesus was. Well, they thought that he was gonna renounce Christ, but in fact, he did not. He was like, why would you ask me that? He's the Messiah, he's in heaven now and he'll return again someday. And they're like, oops, that didn't go as planned. <laughs> and so they threw him off the temple uh, to kill him, uh, but he did not die and, uh, right away. And so then they decided to finish him off Uh, during which time he was able to crawl up on his knees and pray for them, a similar prayer that Jesus had prayed, you know, Father, forgive them, you know, for their sins while they were beating him to death. Now, that is a testimony, right? I mean, here they've just thrown you off the temple, and then they're trying to, you know, because now the crowd is really all revved up, you know, believing what he says, and so now they've got to hurry and hush him up, and while they are, you know, beating him with clubs, he is praying Uh, for them. Okay, so we're about out of time. We're gonna take another five minutes real quick. So that gives us some information about who this person is that wrote this letter and what's going on when this letter was written. And so just very briefly, some of the things that we will learn while we're reading it or the purpose of it, the Jewish Christians were having some problems uh, in their personal lives and uh, with church fellowship. They were going through some difficult tests Uh, they were facing temptations to sin some were catering to the rich some were being robbed by the rich some were competing for offices in the church particularly teaching positions some were talking the talk but they weren't walking the walk and some were using their tongue to create wars and divisions in the fellowship some were disobeying God's word and, and were becoming physically sick as a result of it. And some were straying away from the Lord and the church altogether and just behaving a little too worldly uh, for James' taste. Uh, now, can you see how these problems were not just uh, for the early church? Can you see how we still struggle with some of these today? And that's why the letter is still so relevant uh, for now because just like the early Christians, we still struggle uh, Doing what do we do now? I've, you know, I've given my life to the Lord and, and now we have to live it out. Uh, we can believe it, but sometimes we don't live it. And this book is gonna help us to learn how to live it. There are five marks of the mature Christian and each chapter takes on one of them. So chapter one, we'll learn about being patient and testing. Uh, chapter two, we'll learn about practicing the truth. Chapter three, uh, exhibiting power over our tongues. Lord, help us. Chapter four, being a peacemaker and not a troublemaker. You ever known somebody just stirs up trouble? They just, it, you know, just, they'll just say stuff. I mean, then you just think, why? You didn't, that was not even necessary. You know how I'm going to respond. They just like, you know, was just poking the bear, poking the bear. So we're going to learn how not to do that. We're going to be peacemakers. And chapter five, how to be prayerful during times of trouble. Uh, Now, this will be, I'm sure, very interesting coming from somebody who prays so much. Now, uh, I have never worn my knees uh, because I've been on them so much in prayer. But wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony? Like, Oh, look at your old, dried up knobby knees because I'm a prayer warrior. (laughs) Uh, so we'll learn about praying in chapter five. Now, the best way to get the most out of this study is going to be, first of all, born. you need to be born again. This letter was clearly written to somebody who was already a Christian. So if you are not already a Christian, well, then it's probably going to be hard for you uh, to do this. And, and you're not going to understand some of the things behind it because it is going to be sort of putting some feet to your faith uh, works uh, driven. So first of all, we're born again. Then we're going to have to agree to honestly examine our own lives within the Word of God. Don't be afraid to look at yourself in the Word and see that you come up short. We all will come up short, but that's okay. Um, As long as we don't just say, oh, I'm just wretched and undone, and then just sit down and close the book. We don't want to do that. We want to take an honest examination of our lives. Uh, Be prepared to obey God. Uh, obey what he teaches us, no matter what the cost. It's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we're going to have to give up something that we really would rather not give up. And we're going to have to start doing some things that we really may not want to do. But we're in the business of being obedient to God. So we want to be obedient to what he teaches us to do. Be prepared for some extra trials and tests. Why? Because when you learn something new, how do you know you've learned it? When you're tested on it and you pass. So there are going to be some extra opportunities for you to not be patient with people and not be kind and understanding, but that's okay. We can press through it. Don't give up and say, this is just making my life worse. We'll just move on through it. We will get through this together. And if you fail the test, don't worry, you'll get, there's retakes. Aren't they so nice? God's so nice to give us a retake. Um, So you'll have another opportunity again. And as with everything in life, we're going to measure our growth by the growth chart that he has placed for us. I'm not going to look at somebody else and say, I've grown more than they have. I'm only going to look at me. For those of you who used to do that mark on the walls, you know, with your kids when they were growing. Now, you didn't really when they would come and you'd mark it off and then maybe in six months mark it off again and say, well, by your sister's standards, you haven't grown any at all because she's still taller than you. That wasn't the point of those, was it? The point of it was so that at any, you know, uh, section of time, you could look at that child and see their growth. When you take your kids to the doctor, they didn't put your stuff down on your child's chart and then go pull somebody else's chart to see how well they were doing. Now, they did have those sort of overall you should be somewhere in this percentile, which I never understood those things anyway. But what they would do was on the chart, they wrote today's date, how much your child weighed and how tall they were. And then they would look at the last visit and see how much did they weigh and how tall they were and what was going on with them at that point. So that's what we're going to do. Sort of take a snapshot of your Christian maturity today. And then about five weeks from now, revisit that and say how much have I grown over these past few weeks have I become more mature not based on anybody but based on where I was on March 17th 2013 so that's what we're going to do we're going to measure our own growth so if you want to you know just sort of keep those things in mind as we're studying the book of James so next week we will pick up with chapter one verse two (laughs) and we will cover all of chapter one hopefully so please go ahead and read that if you haven't already and as always, thank you guys so much for being part of our Sunday school class. So we are going to go ahead and dismiss. Uh, but if you have any questions or comments that you want to add at the end, after we dismiss, you can, you can go ahead and do that. But thank you, guys. You're free to go.
0: We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter And subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at KingdomRock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia